On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we're looking back at week number seven, where the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Tennessee Titans for a massive victory. They now are the only undefeated team left in the league. And we're looking ahead at week number eight, where the Steelers are getting disrespected. They are a three and a half point underdog on the road against the Ravens. We've talked about the Ravens a lot. They like to bully people and jump out to a lead. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that this week against Pittsburgh, but we break that game down in depth. And then we welcome on our special correspondent, our New England Patriots expert, Bill Hughes, as he talks about the state of the Patriots. Is he nervous? Does he now regret getting rid of Brady? And where does he think the franchise can go from here? They've looked really bad at home the past two weeks, but we've got a great segment with Bill. And then we look ahead at week number eight and preview some of the biggest games of the week. So stay tuned for episode 84 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host, as always. Joining me tonight, my co-host, Mr. Model, a.k.a. Aaron. How you doing tonight, my man? Week seven is in the books. I avoided another blow-up, which I am super happy about. Things are looking good. It was also a great week of gambling picks for me. Probably the best I've ever had. Uh, maybe we'll touch on that later. Things are looking good. Things are looking up. I'm excited to uh, review the week that was and go into week eight. Yeah, you had a really big week, not just on the pod in our little pool. You had a big week there as well, and I believe you won a lot of money. Is that correct? I, I don't. I don't want to rub it in, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I may have won a thing or two here or there. A couple of more, boxes more than, of ziti. More than a pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more than a pizza. Let's just say that. Yes. <laughs> And that, of course, is our insider, Coulter. How are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing good. Sorry, I jumped. I stepped on your toes there. After all the pizza pizza and ziti talk last week, though. We established our units. I'm the ziti. You're the pizza. Now, we're going to welcome on our very own Patriots expert, friend of the pod, Bill Hughes. You're in Philly land. How are you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, Obviously... You know, I think it's been a roller coaster for the Pats. I'm excited to talk a little bit about it and uh, also a roller coaster for the Eagles. Um, you know, living down here in Philly, uh, there isn't much to do in uh, the land of quarantine. So you hear a lot of talk radio and a lot of opinions. So I'm interested to talk about both and kind of get into some picks. I got a, I got a little bonus for you guys later, a couple college plays if uh, people are uh, interested. Ooh, baby. Always like a little extra gambling juice here. So let's look back. Week seven in the books, obviously. We're going to do a couple of segments here. We got a Patriots deep dive with Bill. We got a Dr. Melfi session for Thursday night. So I guess I'm going to start there for week seven because that was Giants Eagles. And again, just heartbreak on the Giants. And if I could just allow a minute or two of venting from my standpoint, I picked it out. I picked the Eagles on the pod. Okay. (laughs) I thought the Giants were done. And my wave of emotions went from I'm betting the Eagles and betting the Eagles to Giants are dominating. I'm like, holy shit. Well, hey, we might as well win this game here. Maybe fight and win the division, even though we'll get blown out. And then, sure enough, 
Giants lose the game. Eagles don't cover a double fuck you for me to start the week. Bill, you're down in Philly land. What was the reaction after that game? I mean, are the Eagles fans feeling like they got this division in the bag? So it's been interesting, obviously a roller coaster for the NFC East. Um, I think, you know, as they look around at the landscape that's out there, I mean, ultimately they probably beat their best competition. And so I think that there is a little bit of confidence, but I mean, it's Philly. So like, it's pretty much doom and gloom all the time. And ultimately I think it's going to take Carson Wentz showing what he showed uh, the last couple of weeks in terms of putting the, really putting the production on his back. I mean, no one's heard of half the guys he's playing with. I know that that, you know, is a typical NFL um, situation with injuries and especially this year with how many people are getting hurt. But, uh, but I do think, you know, some of the, some of the Wentz haters are, are a little quiet right now because there was definitely um, a little bit of a groundswell that maybe they didn't have their franchise quarterback and maybe they were still looking for it. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that he's got the te- capability to bring this team to the playoffs, whether they can do anything from there, who knows? Um, but yeah, man, it had to be a tough one for the Giants. Dude. I mean, you had to see, you had to see Dan Jones get sniped from the upper deck on a 95 yard run or however long that was. Um, and then, yeah, to, to lose the cover, uh, and the, uh, and, and the actual win is is, is brutal if you bet the, uh, bet the birds. Pure insult to injury. Now, Coulter, Mr. Mono, we were going back and forth during this game here. Coulter, I'll start with you because, you know, we were going back and forth like this game is, is over. The Eagles suck. The Eagles offense looks anemic until the game is on the line here. Do you think, I mean, obviously they're in the, the driver's seat here, but are, are they any good or are they just a terrible team in a terrible division? I think the Eagles have the best quarterback in a bad division and they probably have the best head coach. So it kind of makes them look a little bit better and capable than they really are. I would, I would side with that. They're closer to being a bad team in a bad division than a good team. With that said, they're getting a tremendous amount of talent back this week. Uh, getting Peter back as the anchors on that offensive line, I think should really help Wentz tremendously. You get Rager in there who's a kid that they felt was talent, more talented than Justin Jefferson, which we'll see if that proves out. But that is a, a franchise that won a Super Bowl. So you know what? I'll give them the respect that they deserve. They know how to evaluate talent. We'll see what Rager is like. Goddard is coming back. I think he provides a lot of pop to that offense. So this is a team we haven't really seen the full picture yet. And with Wentz and Peterson, they have won the division in the past. And as I mentioned, Wentz is clearly the best quarterback in this division. So Maybe they are a good team right now. I would say they're closer to a bad team in a bad division though. Yeah, I think I lean that way. Now, Mr. Model, this is a fun fact because we got a game this weekend and not to jump on our, our week eight picks here, but the Eagles are playing the Cowboys here. Not to say that they can just have a stranglehold on the division here, but the Cowboys are zero and seven against the spread. And I think trending downward now, is that number zero and seven against the spread? Is that something that you can look at and have confidence as a gambler and bet against them? Or is that just kind of fluky? No, that's totally fluky. But I think they go 0-8 because where it's locked in in our pool, it locked in at Philadelphia minus 4.5. The lines now are Philly minus 8 or Philly minus 7.5. That's huge value on Philly. That very well couldn't turn into a key pick for me this week just based on the numbers that we're getting uh, for the early lock in our football pool. Yeah, I love it at 4.5, but you know, obviously – the lines change. I was going to say, do not like it at seven and a half. Yeah. Love it <laughs> at four and a half. Tremendous value. But once you go over a touchdown with Philadelphia, I just don't know if they could actually get margin on teams. And that's what we saw on Thursday night, which yeah. kind of alludes to the fact they might be a bad team. If you can't get margin on the Giants and you have to struggle to beat the Giants, you're bad. You're bad. 
You're bad. And let's not look over the fact that Danny Dimes, who I've heard called White Vic, some people are calling him that. I don't know, White Vic, <laughs> that he dropped a perfect passing at the almost end of the game that Evan Engram just dropped. If he catches that, the game's over. Giants win, and the Eagles are just put back into their place here. I don't know how much you look into this Eagles team, but at four and a half, I mean, how do you not like them here? And again, listeners, don't bet that line if it's bigger. Can I ask a question? I, I, so I will apologize. I didn't see this before uh, before we jumped on. Who's playing quarterback for the Cowboys? Great question. Dalton's out. I'm glad that you asked that because I work in sports media and I don't know that answer. And was literally texting the guys beforehand as well. I think Dalton is in concussion protocol, which means they're going with Danucci, the kid from JMU, Bill, one of our own conference guys. So, yeah. And that's where, like, I mean, I don't know. He looked like he was uh, clearly outmatched um, when he got in the game this past week. If he's the starter... Um, and the Eagles, again, I, I, I completely agree with all the takes on the Eagles. They are not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. I do think that the NFL is a classic blood in the water league. And the second that this poor guy gets out there, um, I think a team that's desperate for a win, getting some guys back, um, has some momentum, I guess if you can call it that. Um, I, I just, I can't see them not even, I, I don't want to say seven and a half is over the football number, which always stinks, but I mean, even seven and a half, I mean, you got to feel some level of confidence. The Cowboys could just, this could be a bad another bad week for them with another bad quarterback. Yeah. And I put it out there. I thought that the, the Cowboys might make a run at Fitzpatrick, but we saw this week they're sellers They're They're selling their team. They're blowing it up. So I guess yep. Jerry must've recognized that. Listen, we might have a chance to win a division, but we're not going anywhere. We might as well load up. So I don't want to even just yeah. talk about the NFC East anymore. It just, it, it upsets me. So yeah. let, let, let's pivot here. Cause there's a couple of interesting things here. And, and I want to start now with the, uh, the Monday night game from last week, the bears and the Rams. I'm mad at myself, Mr. Model. You were on the Rams, so mm. you, you take this segment away here. What were you seeing that that I missed? That maybe some of the people missed. You know, I've been shocked at how well the Rams have been playing this year. I had them coming in like in my mind as a mediocre team, probably in the middle of the pack, maybe a little bit higher. But the way they've been playing have been significantly better than what I would have expected. I think McVeigh as a as a coach is one of the top 10 in the league. I think his uh, offensive prowess really comes through and he puts his guy uh, Goff in places to win and do well, which I think a lot of other coaches leave, leave their quarterback out to dry. And when you come up against the bears and Nagy, who just doesn't do that for his quarterback. I think the tweet that we saw even earlier where they were talking about Foles, knowing that the play that uh, Nagy had called, wasn't going to work is an excellent example of that. I loved my pick on the Rams and in the grand scheme of things with the pool, it was five guys against what? 25. Yeah. uh, Who had that. So I I was one of the lucky ones to actually get a point there. I do want to bring that back because it wasn't just a tweet. It was something that Foles told the Monday night crew that Brian greasy said on TV. Yeah. During the prep prep for the game, Brian greasy extracted it from which great job by Brian greasy getting a tidbit out there and then sharing it on air. Cause that's the kind of thing where, I'm sure that these talk people kind of get this information all the time and they don't necessarily share it with us, the viewers, but like, it's like, thank you, Brian Greasy for sharing us this information because that is critical knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. Critical knowledge. I was just going to ask, does Brian Greasy not get any more information the rest of the season? Oh no. Yeah. You can't tell him anything. I got to imagine that Foles has got to be feeling a little certain way about, Hey Brian, like there's got to be some quarterback code (laughs) of conduct here that was violated in, I mean, I, that was a bombshell. When I, when he said that on air, and I'm, 
I've not been a big fan of this Monday night crew. I'm going to be honest. It, it feels like a one o'clock big 10 football game. Every time Levy and greasy are on the call. Um, I think Lou does a great job, but it's just a weird vibe. But anyways, when greasy dropped that, I got, I just couldn't help to think to myself, he's not going to get any more people that are going to give him any real information the rest of the season. Yeah. It, it literally, I, I like did a double take. I was like, wait, did he just say that? <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I thought okay. So too. Coulter, I want to ask you this one, because we talked last week on the episode about Tua making his start, and now he's this is the week. He's here, okay? I've got a little ditty here for you, a fun fact, that over the past two seasons, and I was blown away by how many this was, there's been 15 quarterbacks making their very first start, and they went 11-4 and four against the spread. I want to get your thoughts on that stat, but also, what are you expecting from Tua this week? You know, it's a really tough matchup when you're going against two of the game's uh, four best defensive players and they're playing on the same team like Los Angeles has. I think it's a steep challenge for any quarterback, let alone one who's making their first start. Um, a couple of situational things besides that stat that I like about this game is I do like the fact they're getting the Rams going across country, but there's a caveat to that. McVay is a super genius when it comes to flying across the country and having his team prepared. And I also do like the fact that... Uh, you know that the Rams are kind of fat and heavy a little bit. I think after that bears game, this is not necessarily one that they quote unquote have to win. And so they might be not looking for margin in this situation spot. Uh, whereas Miami now, you know, every single week is getting more and more empowered. They're making the decision to go to a Tua. the Patriots are tire fires. We'll get to in a second, but this is a team that's turning in the right direction. And not that the Rams are not, but I think the Rams could be kind of maybe looking ahead, so to speak in this situation. So I'm pretty confident about Tua. I don't love the spot. I'll be honest with you. I really do think Don, uh, Donald's going to disrupt. And I mean, come on, Tua played in the SEC, and there's a lot of great defensive talent there. But like, did he ever really go up against somebody like Aaron Donald, who was just going to demolish his center? I, I'm I was I'm willing to assume that Tua's center had his back, you know, 90 percent of the time, and wasn't just letting Donald come slipping through. It's going to be a whole new wave for this guy when you see Aaron Donald ripping through the interior offensive line, and you have to get out of the pocket within a split second. It's not something that you're necessarily used to, even though he's a mobile guy. So I, I'm kind of torn on this one. Obviously I've talked myself in a circle, but I, I would say I'd side slightly with the Rams, not a great spot for Tua, but I do like that, that ATS number. It's hard to, uh, hard to go against it. Yeah. And I almost would make a case that his line at Alabama might be better than his line currently at Miami, but who's to say that's what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, look at the kid from Auburn who's wreaking havoc for uh, Carolina, my favorite defensive product. I mean, he was a great defensive tackle in the SEC. I'm not saying that the SEC is bereft of interior defensive line talent. I'm sure they have they have plenty. The kid on the Titans who from Mississippi State was a great SEC defensive tackle. But there's just a different level. Donald could go down as the best defensive player maybe ever. Like I've heard yeah. people say that. So it's like there's 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 a level there between you know uh, the kid Brown from Auburn and, and Aaron Donald who you know one day will be in camp. So just for uh, for shits and giggles, I tried to figure out who the 15 quarterbacks are over the last two seasons to make their first start. Do we want to do bad radio and start playing Family Feud style and go around and ask you guys <laughs> guess some people or should we just skip it? I'm going to go with one of the four losses is Josh Rosen. That's correct. <laughs> I'm going to go. Can I take another guess? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, Drew Locke is a winner in his first game. Drew he Locke won again. Yep. Wait, Her, so Herbert. this goes. 
So, and I'll, I'll give you a little clue too. It's not necessarily rookie quarterbacks. It's just quarterbacks making their first start, first start. over the past two years. First career start. Yeah, so, so Brett Rippian is, he's yep. on the two and uh, that's just Br- Bronco generous the right there. Yeah, <laughs> yep. of course. Co- covered and got the win. Um, Did hmm. Mullen get the win in his first start? Was that last year? Um, he won yes. a couple. Didn't he get hot right at the beginning? He's on the winning. Yep. Daniel Jones won. Daniel Jones won. Last year. I'll give you guys a free loss. A free loss. Mason Rudolph. Uh, mm. That's a good yeah. call. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, the, the, the studs are out there. So Kyler Murray got a win. Hassan what about covered? Minshew covered. Burrow covered. What about Stidham the other week? So Stidham is on the loss. Start. He hasn't started a game, though. Stidham hasn't covered, started a game? Well, maybe he started the last week of last year. Yeah, because Hoyer started that game against the Chiefs. So I oh, got, that, and then I got two used. guys that I couldn't figure out if they started in this window or not. Stidham was one and Kyle Allen was the other. So bad radio, but I tried to figure it out, and I'm, I couldn't <laughs> nail down the nice. last guy for sure. So that's where we're at. Okay, bad radio segment, family feud segment, Ooh. over. It's time now go... to get to your boys, oh, Bill. Boy. It's time Stidham to get into the Pats. Here we go. Yep, it's a good segue. <laughs> it's also yeah. a good segue, Mr. Model. Uh, I now have fallen victim to another crossfire bet with you. Your $10 uh-uh. should be in the mail. <laughs> uh-uh. It was bad, man. So Bill, Kaz, I, can, I, I can throw another guess here. I'm just going to go for it. Go uh, for Will it. Greer. Is the so Will Greer's on the list and he's a win. Oh, he's he a win. He covered. <laughs> yeah. I did not. I did not know. All right, I'm, out, I'm out of guesses. I know. <laughs> so we're gonna have to do some research later. Maybe our stats guy, someone out there can look that up for us. But somebody who just isn't even relevant right now that got a star guy. last year. Duck Hodges is on the list, he but he was a loss. <laughs> Duck. Nice. Um okay, so Pats. Now Mr. Model, yeah. you were you were very confident about this pick last week. And it's gonna lead in now to Bill on a bigger term here. But Mr. Model, just give me a little insight into last week. I know you went over your case, but you clearly saw this one correctly and I saw it wrong. So what's your stance here on on the Pats? I just think the thing that people keep clinging to is that this is an old New England Patriots team that is going to have guys flying all over the ball on defense and playing some efficient offense. I think the epiphany that I had recently, because I made a bunch of mistakes, and I'm, I just look at the offense, and I think the word Coulter used last week was anemic. I'm like, this is an offense that is absolutely horrendous Newton just can't move the ball. And I just didn't see them being able to bring anything to the table against a San Francisco 49ers team that has had some injuries, but is getting healthier and, and, you know, still pretty good. So I don't know to me. I, I just saw this as Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to really get his guy into some spots to win. Um, they're running backs. They could, they could put me back there and I would be a hundred <laughs> yards per game. Uh, I just think that they have stuff really well mapped out. And that's what I was hoping for that they would, you know, Plus, I was getting what three and a half points. Yep, I loved that. Wrong, wrong team favored. That's the new segment we should be introducing. WTF? Wrong like team favored. <laughs> it, yeah, it that did was jump a classic WTF game. Pa- Patriots had no reason being favored in that game after losing to the Broncos at home. No reason. All right, Bill, you've got the floor. Before we start peppering you with questions, what sure. is the state of the Patriots as a Pats fan? Um. I think I mean I, I would if I I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I'm not a little disappointed with how they played last week. I was not surprised with how they played against the Broncos, um, primarily because 
I think this is a practice oriented system. It's a system that changes week to week. It's a system that re- requires some level of thorough preparation. And they just didn't have it before the Bronco game with the cam COVID situation, with them closing down the facility. I just wasn't that shocked that they, that they kind of laid an egg. Now I thought that they looked particularly bad on offense against the 49ers. And I am interested to see, you know, what do we get from cam? I think you could see that he was clearly overthinking things. He clearly doesn't have a feel for what's going on, whether that was him getting knocked out for a couple of weeks, seeing as they looked pretty good the first couple of weeks. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, ultimately this was kind of a show me game for Cam. And, and and if he wants another contract, if he wants another chance in this league, that's the last time he's going to be able to play like that. I mean, because ultimately they're going to move on to Stidham. Nobody gave him a, a chance before the Pats did this time. I don't know who's going to be looking at the film being like, hey, we need to sign this guy up for next year. So, I mean, other than maybe the Cowboys looking for a little dumpster dive, I, I don't see how he finds his way back into the league if he plays like again, like he played this past week. Now, that being said. I'm very worried about the rest of the season. Now we do have the jets twice. So we'll get a little bit of a get right game, not this week, but next week. And we'll get another one at the end of the year. Um, We can talk about the jets later, but I mean, that's just two wins right there. So, I mean, that puts you at four wins for the season. Then you factor in the rest of the schedule, which I don't know if you guys have looked at it. And obviously the schedule that they've played so far, I mean, they played the, the Seahawks, the chiefs, the 49ers, and you know, all three of those teams, I think going into the season, we all felt were going to be pretty good. Then you add him outside of the division remaining Ravens, Rams, Texans, Chargers, Cardinals. And you see that there's not a whole lot of easy games on that. Run. Yeah. So other than the two versus the Jets and maybe a game against Tua late in the season that, you know, they, they can find a way to, to, to scheme a, a first year quarterback. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough sledding. They're going to have to find a way to beat either. I mean, I think they can beat the Texans, but again, who knows? And then the chargers, I think they can beat. but the rest of the games are going to be tough. And so the rest of the season is going to be interesting. I think if you see the cam and the team that played against the Seahawks, then maybe you got a chance against all these teams. Uh, and, and I thought they played really well against the, uh, um, against the Raiders. You see them, how they played last week, they'll lose every one of these games other than the jets games. And we'll be looking at whether or not they get a shot at Justin Fields or, uh, you know, touchdown Jesus or whoever else is coming out in the draft because it could get ugly fast. And I have heard, I mean, the rumors have started. I don't know if you guys saw today, uh, Gilmore's house is on the market. Uh, there's there's trade rumors there. I think that you're going to start to hear that about any other value guys that they, they can get out of town that are older and a little bit more, um, of a veteran presence. So, I mean, they got, (laughs) they got a tough one this week against the bills. Um, I'm interested to see what they did. Play the bills tough. The Bills do not defend the run very well. I think that there is some opportunity for the Pats against the Bills. But, again, they can't turn the ball over. They can't not score touchdowns um, because, ultimately, I think uh, I think the point is true. The defense is good. Uh, it's not great, but it's good. And they need to put the defense in positions to win. Short fields, field goals, always going to be a killer. So that's kind of my overarching thing. I, I think, you know, I hate to say that this week's a make-or-break week, but, ultimately, if you look at last week, the season's over. If, you know, if they can bounce back, I think that, you know, it's a team that's got a good enough coach, Um, you know, as the COVID thing starts to get really weird. That's the other X factor, I guess, as we go along is like they've made the protocols a lot stricter and other teams are going to start to really feel the pinch um, of what this is going to look like as we get into the winter months and teams start to come down with, a, I would think, a little bit more of an abundance of of uh, of the of, of Corona. So. I mean, I think they've got the coaching staff to do it, but they may be sellers at the deadline, which again, 
I mean, other than being dogs this week in the division for the first time since I think 2015, um, you know, there's, there's some signs that are pointing in a direction that is not good for the 2020, 2021 New England Patriots. And, uh, I'll be honest with you. The Niners game was, uh, was a real eye opener. Yeah. Now I'll ask the first question for you and then we'll open it up to the floor. Does it make it harder when you look now at Tom down in Tampa with Gronk and they're, they're now rolling, does that make it worse? Um, yes. And I think that it makes it worse simply because of the fact that I think they knew what they had in a quarterback. I think that they were reluctant to say how many more years he's got left, but I think they knew that they, for 20, for this season, Tom Brady would have been the best quarterback for this team, no matter what Tom Brady's proven that he can go to Tampa. It took him a couple of weeks, I think to, you know, knock a little rust off. He didn't have an off season. Um, so yeah, I mean, it makes it harder. It makes it, but it makes it interesting to see the fact that he's not lighting up Mike Evans. He's lighting up, you know, Julian Edelman 2.0 and Gronk again. And some of these other guys got this all, you know, like there's guys that have played well, but like, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's tough to watch. I, I'm, I'm happy for Tom. I think Tom's obviously proving that he was not a system quarterback and a lot of the other things that I think Patriots fans felt the same way. I don't, I never thought that it was all, Belichick, I did think Tom was going um, to potentially show a little, you know, a little age, which I think he did early and he didn't look great in the fourth quarter last week. Um, so we'll see again. I think it's, you know, it's, it's the fact that, you know, it's, he's got some weapons and, and Tampa looks good. I mean, that's the other thing that team looks like they could make a run if they can stay healthy. It's easy to look good when you have the number one DVOA rated defense. I mean, and that's part of the Patriots' success. It's why they've kicked everyone's ass for twenty years and won six Super Bowls. Is you had the greatest quarterback of all time mixed with throughout yep. that dynasty the number one rated defense. It wasn't always the number one rated defense, but I'm I'd be willing to guess that they probably held that title four or five times in the, the twenty sure. year period. And when you have that. You have a team that can easily win twelve games. Is what Tampa is going to rip off this year? I feel like. Yeah, and and yeah. Coulter, you made a good point too. Sorry, Bill, but um, you know, going back to Corona, I think you can make an argument that if the Patriots say, "Hey, we're going, we're taking one more run with with Brady," do you think all of these guys on defense opt out because of COVID, or do you think they're going to be like, "Hey, let's let's sack up, let's ride for one more season"? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there would have been an incentive. I think if you look at the effect that Tom Brady has on free agency, the guys that were willing to go to Tampa, uh, I mean, Gronk had mentioned the fact that he was, I mean, if Tom had gone back to new England, that he would have considered it. He kind of wanted to get back in the league. Obviously the WWE thing kind of got shut down because of COVID. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Tom brings a lot of factors. I think the Antonio Brown things, another, another example of a situation that happened in new England that added another nail to the coffin of Tom Brady being there in 2020. I mean, he wanted to keep Antonio Brown. He was very vocal about that. He was upset when they cut him. And now Antonio Brown just signed with a coach that was very, very vocal about never being willing to sign Antonio Brown again. Uh, or I shouldn't say again, he was with him in Pittsburgh. He wasn't the head coach. But like, again, like I think Tom has a lot of sway. Tom has a lot of influence. And, you know, when you can bring in that level of caliber guys and yeah, there's guys on defense that want to play with that. Cause you've got a chance to put a ring on your finger. You know, it's a lot easier to deal with COVID and the, and the concerns and the quarantine. If you've got a chance to, to put another banner in, in the, in the rafters, than it is to grind out an eight and eight season and see if you can be the, you know, the last seed in the playoffs and, and maybe make a run. So yeah, I think it had a factor. I also don't think, and I've talked about this a lot uh, with different people. I don't think the Pats opt-outs were that big of a deal other than losing Hightower. 
I, I just wasn't like, I mean, Chung's great, but like they brought in somebody to replace Chung. Phillips has been awesome. Like they've, they've done stuff. They drafted Duggar. Like they've done things that I think put them in a position with some of the guys that opted out to not really feel the pinch of that. The reality is like, you look at a guy like Chase Winovich took a bad penalty, um, missed a sack and played like six plays the rest of the game. Like this is a young team. They need to, they need guys to step off. They haven't necessarily got it. And they've got some veterans, you know, they've got the McCourty brothers. They've got, um, uh, you know, a number of different guys, uh, guy on the defensive line. They've got some guys that they can, you know, potentially look to move on, but they've, they, they wanted to play some of their young guys and they've done that. Um, and it, you know, it's been successful at times and it hasn't been. So I am interested to see, um, if any of those guys ever play again, I think that's been the conversation now is, do you ever see Patrick Chung in a Pats Jersey again? Do you ever see Dante Hightower in a Pats Jersey again? Um, that's to be, to be determined obviously, but I mean, shoot, look at Jules. I mean, like Jules of, of all people, they, I, he looks like he's done. Like, I don't, yeah. and I, I don't know if that's a Brady factor, if that's a injuries have caught up with him factor. Um, but I mean, like he can't even catch the ball. Like he's had more, and he, he led the, I think led the league in drops last year. Um, but like, it's just, it's not good. I think the, the guys they needed to step up just haven't. And, you know, they've got, again, they've got another week to try and bounce back. If the Bills bury them this week, it's going to be panic button time. And it could happen because they're, the Bills are due. They've not played well the last couple of weeks. Okay. I didn't go off that Edelman point. It seems almost, and I heard this analogy about Brady and it really made sense to me. It's like the snowball of confidence in week one. Because you have Brady you, in the locker room before the game, you are confident and you're loose. And from every week on, that snowball goes downhill and just gains more and more steam. And so when, if you're in the Super Bowl, let's just say your team has Tom Brady and you win the Super Bowl, you are the loosest, calmest, most confident team ever because your quarterback is Tom Brady. It doesn't matter who the other team's quarterback is. You have the greatest postseason quarterback of all time with you on your team. So I think that's helping Tampa Bay play really loose and have that mindset which is the complete opposite of what we're seeing now from, from the Patriots the last two weeks. This is a tight team. They're dropping passes. They're missing assignments. They're all sorts of penalties, too. It's just like if this is not the Patriots team from the Brady era. It's, it's almost a complete yeah. opposite. Yep. Yeah. And, and Devoy, they've got no weapons. I mean, I, 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 just, you, I look, I watch the receiving core of guys who got drafted after Nikhil Harry and you're just troubled. I mean, like you just look at that class and I know that there are a lot of teams that missed on Metcalf and you know, there, there are teams that missed on AJ Brown, but like, I mean, like the Pats needed a wide receiver and drafted a wide receiver in the first round and clearly drafted the wrong guy. And I, I, and that's happened before, but like, and I don't want to put it all on Harry either. I mean, it's not necessarily that, but they just don't have the necessary weapons to be a competitive offensive football team. Like I, the running back, I think you you can compare like a Demir bird you know, you look at somebody like Robbie Anderson, he's like a fifth of what Robbie Anderson is. Right. And that's the Patriots offseason signing was uh, Demir bird. Whereas the Panthers went and got Robbie Anderson. Look at how he's doing for Carolina and look how birds doing for new England. It's exactly that kind of comparison. Yeah. Bill, I got one. And then I know uh, Coulter, you got one specifically with the Niners uh, game last week and the the coaching situation that you want to ask bill, but I got one that I want to ask you, Bill. And I want your honest question. You've been honest. Do you think yeah. they finish above 500 this year? Um, so we did the math, I think, yep. we, as I went through it. So um, I think they can get to six wins uh, within the rest of their division games. I think they can beat two with the Jets. I think they can split with the Bills. And I think they can get the, the late season game against Miami. So assuming that, that puts them at six. Yeah, that means to get over 500, they got to find three wins on the rest of the schedule, which 
I, no, I don't, I don't see where they come from. I think they might be able to get to eight and eight. I think eight and eight's a realistic ceiling for this team right now. Um, some, I mean, obviously injuries happen, stuff like that. If the Ravens lose Jackson, I mean, who knows they could beat yeah. the Ravens, but like, but I think as it stands today, I mean, I think that they'll be, and the other thing is they'll be underdogs against the Ravens. They'll be underdogs against the Rams. They'll probably be underdogs against the Cardinals and maybe even the chargers. I don't like, again, I don't know. I don't know where we look to find the wins for this team. So, I mean, as crazy as this sounds, uh, and, and definitely a, a world that I haven't lived in and since before we had ever met Kaz, which was yeah. like almost 20 years ago, nice. um, this, this team might be under 500, um, and, and maybe looking at not even a top 10 pick that is the ultimate conundrum right is that they don't finish in a playoff hunt or they don't look competitive and then they're also you're picking, picking 14 you know, yeah exactly and so yeah. you know i think that's going to be the interesting thing do can they get something for some of the talent that they have on their team uh that's going to be the question over the next what the trade deadline is next week i think or is i think next week, week right Coulter? next week it's the third yeah it's election day <laughs> oh yeah oh, well. the Schefter tweet so <laughs> Oh yeah, Jeff. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it'll be interesting. Um, obviously, in a, you know, uncharted territory. I think for Pats fans, um, you know, for the last two decades, and I think, I think there was no other self uh, kind of reflection than the Pats releasing their all dynasty team. It's over, right? I mean, it's done. Like, and for all intents and purposes, that's fine uh, because this team is. It, it isn't the same team. It isn't the same as the legacy that has been set before it. And I think they, you know, they came out and they scrapped for the first couple of weeks. And I think we saw a little bit of, you know, Tim Tebow type stuff uh, and a little bit of weird, you know, people trying to figure out what's happening. But uh, at the end of the day, this team doesn't have the offensive weapons uh, to, to win the games that they have. And they've got a, a very difficult schedule. Yeah. And Colton, you want to take away with the last question? Yeah. Well, this is more for my own selfish gambling thing. Cause I'm looking at the history of, Bill Belichick against shaky quarterbacks in particular, our shaky quarterback of 2020. He's like the MVP of shaky quarterbacks, Josh Allen. This is a guy who has accumulated six points, 12 points, 10 points, and 17 points against Bill Belichick's defense over the last two years. It doesn't make me feel very confident in my best bet, which I'll just throw out there for everybody who's listening ahead of time. It's the Bills. I'm taking them and just throwing the Allen part of it in the trash because I just don't want to look at it and I want to ignore it. But my question to you is last week, it seemed to me that Shanahan eased up on Belichick out of respect. The game could have gotten out of hand. It went out of hand, but it could have been even worse. I think the bills run up the score here. If Allen is, if Allen could open it up and get to digs early and Belichick has not beaten him down like he has in the past, this could be just a runaway freight train. This is a Bills team that's been waiting to win this division for 20-plus years. you think that there yeah. was any, any bit of that game that against the Niners that you had a feeling that that game could have been 50-6? to Because I was watching it thinking, if this was the right team, they could have beaten New England senseless. Senseless to the point where it could have been 50 nothing. Yeah, I, I will. I'll, so I'll start with the Niners game. I, I I think that the game could have definitely been a little bit more out of hand. I do think that one of the things with the Niners is I I don't think that they want to create opportunities for the other team to get back in the game. Jimmy G is good. I, I mean, I like Jimmy a lot, but like he's like, you want. I mean, a bit of a shaky quarterback himself. Um, hasn't necessarily. I think he had a lot to prove in that game. I, and again, I think I, I didn't. Well, that's really why I brought it up because because Garoppolo doesn't even look twenty yards downfield. Allen, say what you will about the guy, he can chuck right. All he needs and, to do is that, hit digs twice deep, and that game could be really out of hand on Sunday. 
I think the, so the thing is, I think the Pats are going to actually be able to score. Um, I'm not so like, I think the, the bills run defense is suspect. I think that they'll be able to run the ball. I think that you're going to see a concerted effort. Again, I think this is, if we believe in the competitive nature of, of elite athletes, you look at a Jimmy G coming to back to new England and having something to prove. You look at where Cam Newton's at in his career, where he, I have to imagine we see a better Cam Newton. If we don't, then he's dead. I, I, and I, and I agree with everybody's take that he wasn't, but like, I think we saw a Cam Newton that was capable of running a specific offense in the first couple weeks that controlled the ball, controlled the clock, and didn't turn the ball over. I think the reason why the Panthers and a lot of teams are, are have soured on guys like Cam Newton and ultimately why the Pats have been good for the last two decades is that they haven't turned the ball over and put their defense in bad situations on the regular. They've done that very consistently the last two weeks. So I do think that they'll protect the ball a little bit more. I think you're going to see a very conservative game plan. I also think that, and this is the Josh Allen thing with the Pats, the Pats struggle with quarterbacks that have great accuracy, mainly because they find tight windows and the Pats will flood the zone with a bunch of different guys. Um, I think if I'm, it, honestly, if I'm the Bills, I would run the ball with Josh Allen as much as possible, as much as he feels comfortable with. It's the one thing that kills the Pats all the time is mo- quarterbacks that can break the pocket and get down and get down the field. And so I do think, I think Josh Allen can have a huge game, but I'm actually thinking it might be more with his legs than maybe with his arm. Now, that does open up the opportunity once they can run the ball successfully for to go over the top. And if the if the score gets lopsided, I do think it could be it could be a blowout. And I cannot imagine that the Buffalo Bills or in anybody in that building or on that staff has any sympathy towards Bill Belichick or the New England Patriots. And so if the opportunity is there, yes, I do not think they would take a conservative approach like Shanahan may have. I think they will try and put their foot on their throat and try and put up a hundred. I just happen to, th- I mean, again, I'm, and this is a biased opinion for sure. I do think, though, that this team has a lot of pride. I think it's got a lot of pride on defense. I think the defense has played bet, you know, decent at times. We have a good, I mean, the, the defensive backfield is, is strong. Um, so I think that that'll be there. I think they can hurt the Pats on the ground. Um, and I think Belichick will have a game plan. Again, we talk, the, I think the first question on here was Bill or Brady. And I think that, the, the, you know, we, as, as the season started, everybody was on Bill. Bill's fine. Don't worry about it. He brought in the next MVP. Tom looks like crap. You know, we, we, what we're three weeks removed from that. And we're at the other end of the spectrum where it's Bill's lost. Not, it's all over Tom's MVP. And so I don't know, does Bill get a second punch in? Does he have a, you know, does he have a little bit of a flurry here? And, and the team goes, cause again, I told you they got the jets. If they could win this game, all of a sudden they could put a couple wins together and maybe they put their season back, back on the track and they don't sell at the deadline. And they say, Hey, maybe we can make this thing work. Um, but I, I'm, it, that's my heart, my head saying I would take the bills and the points. Um, again, Vegas is clear, clearly leaning towards Buffalo in this game. Um, I just don't know if I, again, not, not to take anything away from the bills. I don't know if their coaching staff is capable of, of knowing how to step on the throat, if that makes sense. I mean, this is their super bowl. I know they're in the playoffs last year. They're prepping for this game to be their super bowl in my opinion, but well, I wish they had fans. I, yeah, this would be I, best well, bet of the century material if the Bills had fans. This would be a chaotic game in Buffalo. I agree with that, and I do think that that will potentially work to the Patriots in the Patriots' favor a little bit in this game. Is that I do think when you're trying to get back on track, when things have been like to come into a game for there to be clearly no atmosphere, I think will in some way hopefully help that experience and potentially maybe get the the Bills to sleepwalk a little bit. Um, but again, talent. Talent for talent, the Bills should should put up some points. Um, and, and ultimately, it's going to be whether or not the Pats can do the same. I think their offense is going to have to score at least 28 points uh, to win this game. And, and if you look, watch them the last two weeks, I mean, shoot, that's going to be kind of hard. 
Yeah. Here's 28 points. Come on. <laughs> Did you watch you, the offense last week? I will say this. So I thought the offense at different times, and, and it's been very, like, against the Chiefs, I thought they had plenty of opportunities to score points. Against the Raiders, they scored points. Uh, against the Seahawks, they, they put up plenty of points. I don't, I, I, again, I, I think that it, there has been a certain set of circumstances with the last two teams they've played that have defensive mindsets that do disrupt whatever Cam was trying to do, and, and he just looks like he's completely lost. And if he looks that way, yes, no, they can't score any points. If he looks like he did against the, against the Seahawks, where they were moving the ball up and down the field with, and the Seahawks defense is not good. Um, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to vouch for the, for the uh, legion of whatever doom, I guess, um, because they're not good. Uh, there's no boom left in that group. No. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not trying to buy the pass. And I, and again, I I'm staying away from this game. There's other games on the, on the board that to me, you want to talk about a WTF. I mean, like, let's talk about the Steelers. Like what, how are the Steelers a three and a half point dog when I think they're better than the chiefs, and the Chiefs absolutely handled the Ravens. I think the Ravens are good. I think the Steelers win that game outright without a question. So, like, I think there's some other games on the board from a gambling perspective. I think the Pats, you know, I mean, if you want if, if I don't know. A, I will a plus transition, Hughes. Yeah. You just took the words right out of my mouth because that's my handicap against the Pats this week is the same thing I've been hammering home about Lamar Jackson. I don't believe Cam Newton playing with a deficit. I don't believe Lamar Jackson. There are just some quarterbacks in this league I simply do not trust playing from behind. And if I can ensure a team is going to get up to a lead, just like the Niners last week, you knew that they were going to start the game up and ready to go. Once you get a lead on New England, can Cam Newton erase it? That's the question. No. And the answer to me is emphatically no. Emphatically no. I agree. Yeah. I would agree. They have to be in control from the beginning. They have to gain confidence. They have no confidence right now. They, I mean, you can know, watch Cam, like his post-game presser, like his Monday morning radio spot, like, there's nothing there. He is completely and, dejected, and it's yeah. It, you're right. If if they get down, it's going to be real easy to push the the panic button or the, the the we're done button. And the Ravens look the exact same way when they fall behind early. Yep. They look just like how New England looked against San Fran last week. They look like a team that doesn't have an identity. Team in the headlights. A team unable to move the football. So yeah, I mean to Hughes's point, if we want to pivot out of the Patriots, I see a situation with Lamar Jackson. If all it takes is Ben Roethlisberger to hit. Claypool or, or Smith Schuster or Johnson on a quick drag route and have them take it to the house. If Pittsburgh goes up seven, nothing, uh, that is an all bet the live money line on Pittsburgh. I do not trust this guy, Lamar Jackson to erase a deficit. I just do not see it. Yeah. I was shocked by that line and they're undefeated. I mean, what are we missing here? I know it's in Baltimore, but there's no fans. It's not like it's a normal home game for the Ravens. Major disrespect for the Steelers. It's a divisional game. They play how many miles away from one right. another? How used to playing in Baltimore is Big Ben. He's probably played. He's. I know he's played more games uh, against the Browns than like they've had starting quarterbacks or whatever. There's yeah. like that yeah. insane stat during his career. He's played more games in Cleveland. Some yeah. wild stat like that. I mean, Big Ben is not afraid to play in Baltimore. I mean, get come on. No, I mean there is a chance, yeah, and I don't know the math on this, that he's played more games in Baltimore than maybe Lamar has in his career. I don't know if that's correct or not, but I mean, think about it. Ben. Ben's been in the league for what twenty years, almost sixteen years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a one, to give yeah to give them the full three and then the hook. It to me is just offensive, uh, especially because of the situation. There's only two ways a first quarter can go. Pittsburgh can go up. Baltimore can go up or there could be a tie. There's three things. If Pittsburgh goes up and they have the three and a half, that yeah. is a ridiculously good situation for us. If you're backing Pittsburgh, such yeah. a good situation. Yeah. 
Well, I do want to do a slight pivot too to our Thursday night games because this is a, a little different of a Dr. Melfi segment than we're used to. Normally, the Melfi segments are us on the couch talking about our teams and complaining. We got a whole different ball game this week. We're talking about just Thursday night in general and how, I, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself and, and everyone on the show. I can't get a read on any Thursday night game. Can I just give you guys our stats here for, for us collectively picking on Thursday night? We are four and 14 against the spread on Thursday night. The three of us, that's, that's embarrassing. Okay. Now, we can boost those numbers though. Kaz, I was thinking the bills chiefs game. We all got correct. That was a Thursday night game that got pushed to Tuesday night. So we all get a win on that. <laughs> I like that spin zone, baby spin zone. Love it. <laughs> well, Mr. Model, I, I'm lost with these games, but normally my motto on Thursday night is take the home team. Whether they're the dog, the, the the favorite, I usually just take the home team. I don't know what the hell's going on this year. I cannot figure out which way is up and which way is down. That's how I was going last week. I was on the Eagles, and I th- I felt really good about that. And lo and behold, those New York football giants came out of nowhere and came storming back and barely covered. I mean, I thought they were going to totally win the game, but obviously we talked about that earlier this coming Thursday, Carolina and Atlanta are both on. These are two teams going in very different directions. I've been really impressed with Carolina this year. They've been playing significantly better than what I ever would have expected. They, I love that they covered last week against the saints. I like them in this spot here, but again, I'm not sure if I should be going full opposite mode and going, uh, <laughs> taking an Atlanta team that is, has an interim head coach and has just played abysmal with some really tough, tough shots. So, um, I just can't figure this out. So Hughes, you know, obviously we're, we're three of us are in a pool here. Maybe next year we'll love to get you in there. Have you making these games or picking games every week as a casual gambler? Do you touch the Thursday night game? So I do. And I will say um, one of the things that I've been big on this season has been has been live betting. And so I I have been with the Thursday night game and with a lot of games this year, trying to watch the first like five minutes of the game to get try and get a feel. It has it is tough. I will say the short turn and the no fans like it does seem like there's just like, yeah, you can't figure out what the advantage is. So um, this week, I I mean, I'm going with the Panthers. I I like the Panthers. I'm like for some reason, um, infatuated with Matt rule and like what he's trying to do. I don't really get it. Sometimes I do think it, I, I think McCaffrey's playing. I saw that he was practicing. I saw he's got the red Jersey off. Um, I don't know if that matters to be totally honest with you. I just think, uh, how can the, how can the Falcons have bounced back from all that's happened to them? The fact that they can't hold a lead and then expect to beat a team that I think is, is trying to win. I, I don't, I don't see from the Panthers that they're not. I think that, you know, you're seeing a team that's, you know, got some holes for sure in their, in their roster and they got some, some work to do, but I'm on the Panthers. I, I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a Bridgewater believer, um, but I do think, you know, ultimately in this game, I think he's going to have a good night. I mean, he was with the Saints. He's got some familiarity with the Falcons. Um, obviously, I just think he has a good game. Yeah, that was a missed uh, missed handicap on on my part last week. The Teddy Bridgewater revenge game in Seattle, or excuse me, in New Orleans. I did pick him in our pool, but yeah, this is a game. I think also a hurricane might be running through there on Thursday night. This is a, just a screams, uh, a six calls to Nikki. Stay the fuck away. Don't touch it. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not yeah. hitting it. The um, worst part about okay. this pool is that we have to play the Thursday night game yeah. every week. I, I, I just, I, yeah, if it wasn't for this pool, I would stay away from the Thursday night. <laughs> 
they're brutal, man. And I just have no feel this year. So, uh, Mr. Model, before we make our week eight picks, let's look back. You guys, Mr. Model, Coulter, you guys were hot in the pod. Mr. Model, if you can give us the results from the double down Trent picks, and then let's preview week eight. Yeah. So a huge shout out to M. Casale. Megan right now is still the leader in the clubhouse. I can't believe it. She's up to 22 points and has separated herself from second place and everyone else. Um, shout out to the couple folks in second. We have Hannibal with 19 points. We have R. Smith 2070 with 19. We have the data model, me, with 19. And then the man, you, Casale, had a little bit of a tough week. You are also at 19. So now we have a four-way tie for second place. Yeah. Uh, I told my sister, Megan, I was like, hey, listen, you know, help a brother out. And I'm literally your brother. Help me out. She's picking out a 63% <laughs> clip right now. I don't care what she's doing. I'm she should go her. take a townhouse in Las Vegas. Let's get <laughs> seriously. Seriously. That is unbelievable. So good job, Meg. Um, okay. Pandemic is making people uproot, right? Just move to the yeah. city. Seriously. <laughs> I'm down, all for no, that. Come, Let's come do down it. To, come down to New Jersey. We got, That's we got all 60, 63% is amazing. That's better that than professionals. Fun. Yeah. Oh, by far. Um, okay. What do we got for the games this week, Mr. Model? Yep, we got five games queued up for this week. Uh, I think the best one that we have, uh, Baltimore is home against those Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Baltimore is currently favored and locked in at the pool at minus three and a half. I think that'll be a fantastic game to watch. Uh, you know, a hard object meets a immovable object, whatever that saying is. Oh, Cheers. Like uh, second game, we go out west. The Seattle Seahawks are home against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, San Francisco, like the first, is favored by three and a half, which is locked in the pool. The third game, I like this one because it was Tua's first game. I figured I'd throw it in here. I'm not sure if it's the best matchup of the weekend, but who cares? The Dolphins are home against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the visiting Rams are favored by three and a half here. Fourth game we have, um, the uh, New Orleans Saints are traveling to Chicago to go against the Bears. The Saints are away and favored by three and a half. I may not give that away, but I like them in this spot against the Bears, who are maybe the what the best five and two team ever. That yes, yeah, <laughs> or the, the worst, worst five, five yeah, yeah, worst five and two team ever. And then the last one, I I just couldn't resist. I had to put it in. The Buffalo Bills are home against those New England Patriots. Buffalo favored, like we talked about earlier, by three and a half. You know, if you'll notice too, this is what Coulter's been referring to as the Vegas zone. Uh, every one of these spreads, three and a half points. I mean, I noticed that coin. Yeah. <laughs> I've also noticed, and I haven't done a year over year, but I feel like in our pool, we've gotten more three and a half this year than it, than last year. I feel like there's what is there six or seven games that are three and a half. That's half the damn card is three and a half point spreads. Those ones are so hard to pick. And there's no field teams. advantage this year. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the, the weirdest part is a standard field goal is what you give to the home team. But all of a sudden we have these half points that keep popping up. And, and Hughes, I'm going to let you make uh, the first pick here. Now, I do want to let you know about our crossfire rules, okay? So if you disagree and go on record and pick on the opposite side of a game, we're doing it as our trading places, our usual bet, a crossfire of $10 wager. So okay. you can use that whenever you want. You can disagree with a pick and not necessarily do a crossfire, but if you want to, it's available to you. So having said that, Take it away with your first pick of week number eight. 
Um, all right, I talked about it earlier. I'm going Steelers plus three and a half. Uh, I mean, again, you're getting the hook, and you've got what I think is <clears throat> just a better team. Uh, I think their defense is better than <clears throat> the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs showed that they could in some way jump out and get a lead and to what we had talked about earlier, like just make sure that like they've Lamar Jackson, I don't know. I just don't think he can come from behind in certain situations. So I'm going to go Steelers plus three and a half. Coulter, I'll let you take that one because I know your, your thoughts on Lamar coming from behind. Yeah, I don't think he can erase deficits. And I also think not to do too much of this in one podcast, but if you look over the, the sample that we have of him going against Pittsburgh, it ain't pretty. I know they won a, a couple last year, but that was against Mason Rudolph. The Pittsburgh D, to Hughes's point, really did cap uh, Jackson. He wasn't lethal against them by any stretch, and I don't see that happening this uh, this week. Uh, I like the hook. I like the spot. I like the disrespect Pittsburgh. I mean, if you're Pittsburgh, you just won the game of the year. You held off Tennessee as they came screaming back at you. But by the way, also we should add this into the, the handicap. AJ Brown is a lot better than any other receiver that's on Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Yo, and yeah. he came, he came at him firing, you know, T- Tannehill and Brown were connecting and Davis in the second half of that game. Pittsburgh still was able to hold off. Baltimore will not be allowed. They, they will not put that kind of pressure on Pittsburgh air, air wise. They don't have a dynamic pass catcher like Brown. And then quite frankly, I don't think they even have a quarterback Jackson who can make the throws that Tannehill can make when his team is down a certain amount of points. Now, again, this game can go completely different. Baltimore can leap out to a 14 point lead and suffocate Pitt, but I just, I can't stop seeing the situation where Pitt just gets even a field goal or two to start the game. And that could just spell disaster for Baltimore's offense. I, I, I have to take Pitt in this spot. Yeah. I wanted to make this our uh, six calls to Nikki because the line just made no sense to me. Mr. Mott, I mean, I'll, I'll go here first. I'm with you, Bill. I, I just don't see how the Steelers are getting points here. They just came off a, a really impressive win against the Titans who were previously undefeated. We've talked about how the Ravens need to jump out to a lead and bully you. They can't do that by passing the ball. And I think what the Titans showed us last week is that's how you can beat the Steelers is you got to attack them through the air. And I just don't see how the Ravens do that. And I think this is, a, a, a like we were saying earlier, a wrong team favorite. So I'm with you, Hughes. Give me the Steelers plus three and a half. What do you think, Mr. Model? I'm in full agreement. Not much more that I would add. It has been interesting to see that this line opened at Baltimore minus five and a half and has gone down significantly um, and is now moving, you know, in some places it's gone down to three and a half and is now moving back up to four is what I'm seeing in a bunch of books. So it's kind of going against what all of us are here saying. Um, I like Pittsburgh in the spot. They're a team that I'm six and oh on um, identifying them against the spread this year. I feel like I have them locked in. I like them at plus three and a half. Yeah, something's on there, but hey, we're all in agreement. I think that's going to be the, uh, the best game of the week. Uh, Coulter, why don't you give us your first pick? Yeah, you know, I'm going to uh, – I, I do want to say that I have Eagles as my best bet in the pool, but I feel like it's – I'm doing our listeners a disservice giving out the four-and-a-half when it's now seven-and-a-half, similar to Tampa last week. They were two-and-a-half in our pool, and it moved all the way up to four-and-a-half. So I, I'm not going to give a faulty number. I, these are closer to what people can bet on you know, throughout the week when they're listening to this. My first pick, I'm going to go with Tennessee minus five-and-a-half. I have a coaching advantage here that I really like, Rabel versus Taylor. I don't see many of those this week. There's two that are pretty obvious, Reed versus Gase and Peyton versus Nagy. 
this is probably the third. The other two really don't have great lines. Peyton on the road uh, with all the problems with Michael Thomas and that hook. I can't say that's best bet material. And then Reed versus Gase. Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs, but that's not best bet. I mean, minus 19 and a half is ridiculous. As bad as the Jets are, I just I can't go on the pod and say, yeah, the Chiefs are going to win by 19 and a half points. Best bet, bet the bankroll. Um, anyways, I really do like Tennessee here. Um, everybody, I kept hearing this last week that they're, they're a five and O team that's fraudulent. They have these close wins against bad teams. They haven't played anybody. I don't believe it. I'm still high on this club. I think they're very talented. I just said Brown's a great pass catcher. I think I did this last week too. They've got Henry, they've got Brown, they've got Smith, they've got talent at every level of the offense. I'm going to stand my ground, plant my flag. I don't see a travel disadvantage at all. These are two of the closest teams in terms of proximity in the entire NFL, Nashville and Cincinnati. There's not a lot of distance between these two teams. I'm saying it's a hypothetical neutral field. If it's a neutral field and the Titans are not favored by a touchdown, I'm betting Titans. And I know it's technically geographically in Cincinnati, but I'm treating this as a neutral field situation. Best bet, Tennessee minus five and a half. What do you think, Hughes? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I love, I love the pick. I love Tennessee minus five and a half. Um, I, I, I mean, it just seems like a bounce back type scenario for them. Um, I think the Bengals have been a fun team to watch. I think the Burrow story has been great. I don't think that they again have the weapons to compete with the Titans. Um, I don't. I, I will say. The only thing, again, with some of these lines is like it, it feels a little fishy. Like I, it just feels weird that it's not seven and a half, um, given the fact that the Titans, I think, are one of the classier teams um, in the AFC. Well, you got Joey uh, Covers. That, you can't you can't throw a touchdown. Joey, Joey Cover. He's too good. <laughs> he's he's a covering machine. Hughes. He is. He is. And I will say, I think that team. I, I think the coaching staff there is good. So I, I do think. You know, they can put together a game plan that might be able to keep this close. But I, I do think it's a mismatch. I think Vrabel's way, way farther ahead of where the Titans are, where he's at. I, I love the Titans. Minus five. Colt, you took the words right out of my mouth. Cover Joe. Cover Burrow. The Bengals have been always backdoor covering. I can't do it this week. Uh, I, I stick with a, a really serious philosophy that is a good team coming off a bad loss. I love taking them the next week. I'll take the five and a half with the, the Titans. What do you think, Mr. Models? We are in full agreement. I'm all over Tennessee minus five and a half. Oh, shit. We if, are if not to, to make this even a better bet. I do have a little inside knowledge I can bring to the Bengals are not in the process of, of adding one, but two offensive linemen to their offensive line this week via trade, which is great. I think that's a signal that they're going to protect Burrow. All that is phenomenal. It shows the Bengals really care about their number one overall pick. Yay, yay, yay. But what do we know about offensive lines? It takes a while for them to gel. Not to mention COVID. I don't think those two guys are necessarily going to be added to their their game squad on Sunday. So they're going to be playing with their same stinky offensive line that they played with all season. I think people might get the idea that, oh, they're going to protect Burrow better this week because they're adding these offensive linemen. I don't think that's true. I think offensive lines take need to take two or three or four weeks to be cohesive. You're looking at it in Tampa Bay. That's the best example in pro football right now. It takes a little while for these offensive lines that have not worked together uh to play well as a, as a unit. And I, so I, I do think that the, the Cincinnati offensive line is terrible to begin with. And I think adding two new pieces will make it better long-term, but not in the short term at all. And uh, hey, to mention Kaz, they Kaz shipped out. Waiting. Go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, Kaz has been waiting two years for his offensive line to gel in, in New York. <laughs> two <like> years. <laughs> like eight, Three? man. It's been unbelievable. It's been unbelievable. I, okay. I, I was going to save this, but I'll, I'll just leave you right now. Okay. The Giants offense is so bad, right? And the offensive line is particularly the worst. 
We've got the two lowest rated offensive tackles, according to pro football focus in the entire league. And they're on the same fucking starting line. It's just <laughs> outrageous. Ugh. Why'd you have to Anyways, do that, Bill? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I did. They did trade Carlos Dunlap too. Yeah. Um, the the uh, Bengals did. Uh, yeah. So, and I think that's one of the offensive linemen that's coming back. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, they've been fun to watch. I just, and by the way, I will say T Higgins was one of my favorite guys in the draft. Another guy I was hoping that the Pats might be, take a, take a shot on. Um, and he's looked really good. I think that guy's going to be a premier player in the NFL. He's got the size, he's got the speed and he can get open. And I, that's just one of those things. Like he just, as a knack to get open. You watch him and you wonder, cause he was so good at Clemson. Why did he fall in the draft? It's really confusing. It makes me. No I don't sense. understand that at all. Like I, I'm trying to go back to what the draft logic was, and it was really just like teams fell in love with Ayuk and Rager and their speed, and then I guess they just talked themselves out of Higgins for some reason. I, what was the anti-Higgins take even from the scout? I think there was an injury. I think there was an injury concern. I think there was a little bit of a freight. Like he's not very like he's he's thin. He's tall. I think there was like people didn't know about his body. I, this is my memory of like what because he can run and he had success at Clemson. Um, but it did seem like people, and I think there might've been a little bit of the um, personality off the field type of vibe that people didn't like from him. I, I didn't get it either. I totally did not understand why he fell as far as he did in the draft. And I mean, he didn't fall super far either, but like, I, I definitely thought he went after guys that he was from a class perspective, pedigree perspective, much better than. Yeah. Well, I he agree. was somebody the, that the pre, as they always do it, like it, when the draft ends or whenever the 2019 draft ended, they had T Higgins as a top 10 guy for the 2020. So yeah, he didn't yeah. fall too much, but he, he definitely fell from where he was projected at the end of the 2019 season or the end of the yeah. 2019 draft. Yeah. I love Burrow well, throwing him though. And Ayuk's been great too. So like there were some guys in that draft that I just think like people didn't really know how to figure out where they should get drafted. Um, and there were a lot of good wide receivers. I mean, like at the end of the day, like if you if we're looking at the rookie wide receiver production right now, I mean there are some good dudes from Jefferson. We'll see if Rager can bounce back from injury, but I think he showed a few flashes in a couple of games or a couple of times that he got to play for for the Birds. And so I yeah, I mean I think it it was a deep wide receiver class, and and yeah, Burrow got a guy who I think they can grow together and they can really do some damage for years to come. Yeah. Okay, Mister Model, you are hot, my friend. You're coming off a two and a week. You're coming off some money in the pocket. Who is your yeah. first pick? Yep. So for my first pick, I'm going to go back to the well and go with uh, the L.A. Rams, who I think I was on last week. Um, I like them in this spot as they travel across the country to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, A couple of reasons. One, the market has already started to move. This game opened at three and a half and has ticked up to four in some spots, um, especially one book that I think is respective. Uh, respected. Um, the other thing is when I come and look at DVOA um, right now, LA Rams are ranked seventh overall based on 50% um, priors to the season and 50% based on their performance so far. Their offense is ranked fifth. Their defense is 11th with a rookie quarterback coming in. There's just going to be to me a huge variance that we'll, we'll see in Miami. Yes, there's absolutely a possibility that he can come in and they'll have a game plan and he'll play incredibly well. I am willing to pay for it and take my chances. I love the Rams in this spot, minus three and a half. Okay. And what do you think, Hughes? Yeah, we're riding a heavy consensus on these picks. I'm also on the Rams. I did not understand this line. I put a question mark next to it. Again, it's fishy to me a little bit. Like, this is to his first start. We're talking about a team. They are coming off their bye, which I think obviously helps. I do think that they are a much improved 
um, offensive line, and I think they've been playing a little bit better. But all being said, they're going up against not only the perennial defensive player of the year just every year, but also, I mean, a revamped defensive secondary. Um, and, and ultimately, I think the Rams have one of the best groups of offensive weapons outside of the running back position of any team in the league. I mean, I think that that's obviously invested heavily in that. And I do think that they'll do some damage. I love the Rams minus three. Coulter? Uh, my one apprehension other than that 11 and four ATS number that you threw out and this, I, I do have the Rams in our pool. Uh, Brian Flores, was he, or was he not the defensive coordinator in new England when they completely solved the LA offense? Yes, he was that Super Bowl, okay. right? I believe he yeah, was. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, just going to throw that out the coach, there as, right? as a cause yeah. for apprehension that maybe this guy Flores has a trick or two that can slow down this McVay offense. And I would say this too, it's worked for them so far, this running back by committee. But if we're being honest with ourselves, Jared Goff is average and he needs an elite top eight running back. He needs a Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott behind him and Todd Gurley to really be effective. And eventually somebody is going to stop the Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, because it's not as lethal as a running back duo would be if it was just like a Zeke Elliott type. And obviously I know the Rams had Gurley and they're paying him still. And so they don't have that option. They're getting creative with the running back position and hats off to McVay for solving it. They're competitive this year. Um, but I do worry uh, eventually down the line because they're so the run offense is so important. If there's a defense that stops them from running the football and puts it all on Goff's shoulders, what does that look like? And that's what, and I don't want to be caught with, three and a half on the road. If that situation does come to a head, the question is, does it this weekend against Tua in his first start? The way I answer that question is no. And that's why I'm on the Rams. But I, I did want to raise that point on this game. This is a 1 PM game too, right? I think. Does, yeah. Does this fall into that classic West coast 10 a.m. Yep. start? Yeah. So, and we've got daylight savings too. Oh, do oh. I we didn't talk about that. Oh, yes, it so is. Lose an extra out? I don't even know. I don't. And they played. And they played Monday night. This is a great situational spot for Miami. They're coming off a bye week. LA is coming across the country off Monday night. It is a great schedule spot. I still don't love Tua going against that Rams D. That's all I can think about, and that's why I stick with Rams. But yeah, there are a lot of things that make me like uh, the Dolphins in this one. But I'm going to stick with the Rams. I'm on the Rams as well. I, I I don't know if I would make this one of my key picks or my you know best bets of the week, just because again, like I threw out that stat earlier, first starts for a QB 11 and four the past two seasons, something about that would make me hesitant. But I think like you said, this is a fishy line. This, this to me should be closer to six and a half, almost seven. So some wonkiness there. I do like, uh, I do like the Rams there. So we are in unison once again. I was going to say, we should just back Mr. Model because he's the one who's the hottest of all. Hot. So. He's hot. I, I, don't, yeah. uh, I don't hate that right now. Don't jinx uh, me. Mr. Model, I was going to say, I've I, uh, you know, been picking with some themes over the past couple of weeks here. Are you ready for my theme this week? Let's have it. <laughs> I am going with teams going in opposite directions. Okay? <laughs> now, like Mission Impossible, follow me around the room I am looking at this board and I am seeing there's a couple of teams out here going in opposite directions and I am riding the Green Bay Packers at home minus six and a half against the Vikings. I think they are 
Two teams going in the opposite directions. What did we just see Minnesota do? They shipped off Yannick Ngakwe. They're basically throwing up the flag on this season. And we saw a Green Bay team look possessed. And I still think they want to make a point because if you are now in the NFC, we know the NFC East sucks. You've got to worry about the West. I don't know what else you really need to worry about. And if you have to go through Green Bay and home field advantage to get to the Super Bowl, I think that is their motivation. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. Mike Zimmer has got to be on the hot seat. Give me Green Bay minus six and a half at home. Bill, what do you think? Yeah, uh, this is a tough one. I mean, again, I I got to go with the pack. I hate to stick with consensus. I'd love to make an argument for why I think the Vikings can make a run at this. But I agree. I think they've thrown up the, red fl- the white flag. I think that they have realized that this is a little bit of a lost season. They got to figure out what they have. Um, I do think, you know, again, like they can potentially look good at times. I think they've got, you know, Thielen can, can make plays, Cook can make plays, um, but I don't think they have enough to beat this pack team. I think this pack team is um, offensively uh, a little bit better. It doesn't look like Aaron Jones is playing though. So, I, yeah. I, you know, factoring that in, it didn't look like it really mattered. I, I mean, like in a big way. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ride with you. I'm going to ride pack minus six and a half. I think, it, I think it's a safe bet. And I think ultimately, you know, it's, it is two teams going in opposite direction. I think it's a great call. Colter, what do you think? I don't want to crossfire you on this. I, I have Vikings in our pool. I, I can't say it's my favorite bet of the week. I like the team coming off a bye. I like Zimmer against the spread. And I, I don't think the Ngakwe trade means anything to me. This is a guy that they purchased right before the season, COVID year. It wasn't like he's some champion of the locker room. This guy barely got to know his teammates and they dealt him away. They lost what 25 picks worth of value. They went from a second to a third somewhere in the middle of the third round, which isn't, doesn't look great for your franchise. If you're the GM, if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm actually kind of furious about that, but I don't think that that's an indicator that this team is like, stay away. They're this ugly beast. Uh, Last time we saw Minnesota play, they did exactly what I said they were going to do on this pod. And that is feed uh, cook, keep Wilson off the field. They have a formula that works, a covering formula that works, I should emphasize. Feed Cook, keep the opposing quarterback off the field, keep the game close, even maybe get a lead early, probably blow the lead because your defense stinks, and then kind of fight it out in the fourth quarter. I see that game being played out a lot more. uh, You know, if this was played 100 times, I see that kind of game between these two teams being played out a lot more than I see Packers running away with the game like they did last week against uh, Houston. Really important thing to note, too, in that Houston game, Devontae Adams was obviously just a complete killer. Bradley Roby got hurt on like the fifth play of that game, and it was game, set, match the minute that he left. I'm not saying Minnesota has better defensive backs, but they have Mike Zimmer, who's a coach, and he's had two weeks to prepare for Rodgers and Adams, and they're familiar with this team. Again, I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to slow them down but I will take the six and a half points in a divisional contest. Okay. All right. Mr. Model, uh, you took a little crossfire action from me last week. You feeling lucky? Uh, Not this one. No, I am on green Bay minus six and a half. As of right now, it's purely a market based play. This game has already ticked up to green Bay minus seven in nearly every book that I'm looking at. Um, I actually wouldn't be shocked to see this, see if this ticks up to minus seven and a half by Sunday morning. Um, for that right now, I am on uh, taking Green Bay minus six half where I can get a little bit of value and hoping that they cover. Okay. I like it. 
Now it's time to get to the money picks. So, Bill, why don't you give us your key pick of the week? So I'm, I, I was not a believer. This line is a little weird. I'm going with the Chargers minus three and a half. Um, there's just something about the team. There's something about the coaching staff. There's something about the fact that I think the Broncos stink. I, and I may be wrong. I don't think they're good. I'm going Chargers. I think that, they, again, I just think they've proven that they deserve, the, they deserve, they deserve the, my, my confidence. Um, and ultimately, I've been against them a couple times. They, I think people thought it was a little fluky when they played well at the beginning of the year. I think they've proven that that's not the case. Um, they've got some weapons. They, you know, and I think they found their quarterback. I think it's crazy to think um, that it took a punctured lung to get him on the field. Um, I saw a great interview with him this week. He seems like he's, you know, a guy who just he's got to figure it out. I, I think he's he understands where he's at, and I, I really like the I like the Chargers minus three and a half. Coulter, I know you were thinking about this one. What do you think? Yeah, I was all over the place. At first, I thought three and a half on the road for Anthony Lynn. No way that should ever happen in the National Football League. And I would have cross-fired Hughes if this podcast was recorded 24 hours ago because I thought Broncos plus three and a half was the side. Since then, I've done a little stat mining and found out how bad, truly bad Drew Locke has been for the Broncos this year. Uh, I cannot take Drew Locke the way he was. he looked uh, on Sunday. I don't think that offense is going to have a solution with Pat Shermer. It, they're going to have to fire him before they get good on offense. Uh, so I'm, as a Bronco fan, kind of wishing for a bottom out, especially against a Chargers defense that has looked awful, which is one of the reasons why I first looked towards the Broncos in the three and a half, because quite frankly, you could say all the things you want about Herbert, but the Chargers defense has been just atrocious. They can't stop anything. They can't protect a lead worth of piss. This defense stinks. They are a horrible second half team defensively. Uh, one of the worst in the league, quite frankly, uh, with all that said and all the animosity I hold towards Lynn, I can't take my Broncos here. I just don't see it offensively. I think Herbert builds a lead The lock is throwing picks like, you know, I chew gum. And with, with all that factored in, I just see an easy pick six and a cover. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to factor those kind of plays in like the, the chiefs did beat us with a kick return and a pick six, and they did all sorts of weird stuff. And Mahomes was actually kind of average, which the Broncos have done a good job of limiting him in the past, which is probably the only good thing that we've done in the last three years is actually play the MVP and the Super Bowl MVP pretty well. But other than that, I mean, we are just a dumb dumpster fire. We can't do anything correct. I feel like, other than pass, uh, pass rush is pretty much the only successful thing the Broncos have. I, I'll agree with Hughes on this one. I have the Chargers in our pool. I've, I've flip-flopped around a little bit, but I'm pretty confident about this one now. Mr. Model, you riding the Herbert train or are you uh, being a local fan? Yeah, I'm still not on the Herbert train. I'm still waiting for him to show that he's a rookie and ha- hasn't been playing, like just won't play as well as he's been playing. Um, I'll admit, so I'm not willing to crossfire this one, but I'm on the Broncos here. I'm on the Broncos at plus three and a half. Um, this game opened, uh, Broncos plus one and a half at the book that I respect and like, and has obviously since ticked up all the way to three as of right now. I'm glad you brought that up too, because it went over that key number and that is important. Yes. This would have been a better line to get a chargers minus one and a half than three and a half especially because of that backdoor potential with that crappy defense they have. 
But yeah. I, yeah, and having said all that, I still t- absolutely agree with everything you guys just said about the Broncos offense and the injuries that they're going through. So, you know, I don't love the pick. This could be something that I switch on if the market ends up coming back and I, I tend to, you know, make some switches on Saturday or Sunday morning. Uh, but as of right now, I, I'm locked in on the uh, Denver Broncos at plus three and a half. Okay. Uh, I am on the Herbert train. I, uh, I'm really impressed with what they're doing on offense. I think when you have those kind of weapons with the quarterback that's locked in like that, it makes a, a huge difference. And what, what have we seen from the Broncos the past couple of weeks? I mean, Coulter, someone fact check me here. What'd you guys put up in the past two weeks? Uh, total, like what? 24 points, maybe 18 against the Patriots. And I think we put up 16 against the chiefs last so, week. Yeah. So I mean, 30, it's, it's, 34 anemic. So I think the, the Chargers are putting up at least 30 here. Uh, I don't see how the Broncos are putting up even close to 20 points. That's my take. The Broncos are the only offense that I can remember. Uh, and people please tweet us at double down trend. If they can find another person who's backup running back being out of the game. If Lindsay misses the game, I think that impacts our offense more than any starting player on our offense. Cause he's really been the only offensive player that's shown any life in the last two weeks. And I feel like that lock Gordon combo in the, in the backfield is just a defensive coordinator's dream come true. And I, I don't think that the chargers necessarily are going to exploit it, but I think that is a bad duo lock and Gordon have shown me nothing. They showed me absolutely nothing against the chiefs. When Lindsay got out of that game, uh, that frightened me a lot. That lock got worse uh, when Lindsay left. So yeah, I think if Phil Lindsay misses the game, definitely going to stay with the chargers. Uh, and it's just ridiculous that he's, I think our best offensive player right now. Look, it's the Pat Shermer offense. Okay. So next year, what's going to happen is they'll fire <laughs> Pat Shermer. The giants are going to fire Jason Garrett and Garrett will become your offensive coordinator. You're just doing another cycle. <laughs> Circle oh life. God, I Circle hope life. not. Oh, brutal. All right, Coulter, who's your key pick this week? We already hit it. Uh, Bill's three and a half. I really like this one. I I'm willing to pay to find out how bad the Patriots are. And that's, Pretty much it. Uh, you know, I think the Bills, this is a motivational spot that they've been waiting for for 20 plus years. I actually don't think their defense is as bad as it's shown. Uh, and I think that if they can jump out to an early lead, I think New England's going to stink. I haven't seen anything from Cam Newton that I like. Um, you know, two home losses from New England. This is a team, I, you can say all you want, they're trending into the bottom eight. You know, you don't lose back to back games at home the way that you did. And all of a sudden, find yourself in Buffalo playing up 10 points. I would be very shocked if new England is the team that jumps out to a quick lead here and, and builds on that lead. I just don't see that happening. I think the offense is rudderless as we've gone over. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think B- Buffalo is just going to pile on the points. As I said earlier, I, 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 I can't not see that happening. And maybe that's my functional fix in this, in this game. I honestly think we could see Brian Hoyer or Stidham at this point. I don't think Cam is the answer. And I think we're just going to see more bad Cam, quite frankly. I don't know. How is Cam better against Buffalo on Sunday? I just don't see it. Yeah. He stops forcing throws. Here's a newsflash. I watched the guy play for four quarters two weeks ago. He's incapable of throwing balls that are perfect. He's going to force throws. He's not that good anymore especially if you get after him in the pass rush, like Denver did, like if you put any pressure on him, he's going to throw even worse. Hughes, would, take you, away... would you like to address this? <laughs> I'll let, I'll let Hughes counter. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put the 10 on the line. I'll go crossfire on this. I think, I, 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 again, I think there's a lot of history here. I think there's a lot of big brother, little brother here. It's possible that, that the bills take a step in the right direction. I think 
that's been a sentiment that's been felt for the last 10 years. When are the Bills going to have a team that can take the next step? I think people thought that, you know, a couple of those teams that had Tyrod, that they were good enough. Obviously, I think the Pats are a completely different team. So I'm not trying to say that I think the Pats are in the same position. But I do think I, I, I think that the, the Pats have something up their sleeve this week. I think they play better. Um, I think I, I mean, I, I think they can win the game outright, but I, I'll take the points um, and I'll, I'll take that challenge. Ooh, I like it. We got our it. first. I was gonna say, we got if we if we did a whole pod with four guys and not one of us yeah. bet each other, that would be sad. So Something thank wrong. you, Hughes, for doing it. And Just I deserve it because my handicap on this is is really single handedly. It's all about motivation. I would go as far to say that I don't think a single team this year has been more motivated than the Buffalo Bills against the New England Patriots. I cannot think of another spot. This is the biggest motivational spot of the year for me. I cannot take the team that. When I when I say those words, I cannot take the team that has the motivation. But we'll see on Sunday. I'm glad that we got a little action on it. Mr. Model, yeah, what do you think? Uh, no interest in taking this in a crossfire at all. I think this is a stinky matchup. Um, I am on with Coulter. I like the Buffalo Bills in this spot. Um, I Again, this is kind of a market play and kind of also based on feel a little bit. I'm seeing a lot of fours and also taking up to four and a half in some books. As of right now, doesn't shock me to see that. I think four and a half is probably a, the right number where I would think about going back into the Patriots. So I wouldn't be shocked to see it stay there. The other thing I think about too, um, this game opened, the total opened at 46 and has ticked down significantly all the way to 43 or 42 and a half. So when I think about this game, I think about this game being a 17, 13, like 24, 17, like something just really low scoring. Um, and, you know, that that's just going to be it. And if I think that they can cover those three and a half points, which I think they can, I'm going to take them in that spot. So I like the Bills here. I think you uh, nailed that. I'm on Buffalo as well. I had gone back and forth. I, I initially had this as my key pick on Buffalo. Uh, I'm not making it my key pick. Uh, I, I am on Buffalo, though. I just uh, I, I think this the, these guys fall into my theme of teams going in the opposite direction. I just think, like I said earlier, that Buffalo has been been waiting for this moment. This is their opportunity. If they lay an egg against the Patriots, then that whole division now all of a sudden becomes up for grabs. Uh, I, I just like the situation here, and I wish there was fans. I would love to see the fans that at, at Buffalo for that game. I'll be the first to admit this is one of my worst handicaps on a best bet. It's pure just one thing that I'm looking at, but I can't look past it. I really can't. I just don't see it. I don't see how Buffalo doesn't want to just kick the living shit out of this team. I'm pissed off just thinking about how much <laughs> crap the Buffalo Bills have had to endure from the New England Patriots for my entire lifetime. Like, man, I would be going ballistic if I was a Buffalo Bill play, Bill, Bills player. Get me on the field. I want to take Cam Newton and I want to slam his body onto the ground. I want to make Julian Edelman feel pain beyond pain. I, if I'm a Bills player, how do you not just get so amped up for this game? I'm jacked just thinking about it from a Bills player's perspective. I just, I just don't know who on the Bills team can do that. Like, I mean, if like I, they don't to me have a team that screams like that they like. This isn't Bart Scott like like type of like they don't have those guys. And that, I, and that might be the problem, Hughes. You're right. We we might be looking at this on Monday and thinking, you know what, Buffalo doesn't have a killer. Their quarterback is inconsistent, and they don't have yeah. a great. I mean, the Singletary and Moss are not a great running duo. If I break this game down in my head more and more, I, I'll end up on New England. I know I will. <laughs> it, 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 Buffalo isn't pretty, but with that said, yeah. I just 
I if I'm a Bills player, I would want to just punch the Patriots into a pulp. Into a pulp. Sure. Quite oh, frankly, I wouldn't even want I, to see their skull anymore. <laughs> I agree. I, I think I mean I, I I see all the motivation on the Bills side. I again they have the better team too. Right now, as we sit here today, I think if you put put it on paper, uh, again, that's why they're favored. That's why Vegas is on it. Um, that's why the lines move. The over-under number moving is a little weird to me. That does scream like are the Pats going to score type of stuff. But um, I, I, again, I, I think the Pats have something for him. I think it's a similar offense to what Bill, Bill Belichick has schemed against in the past. He's had success. They've had success against the bills. And again, I feel like there's the bills would be in a better spot if they were like a two point dog. And like someone thought that they shouldn't win I, them being a three and a half. Like, I don't know. They're not a favorite. Like if Buffalo is not a favorite town, this is not like, we're not talking about like some glitz and glam. We're talking about a team that needs a little grit. And it may be that, that the, the last 20 years provide that. And that that's what they bring to the table. Um, I just think, I think the Pats are in a, I mean, this is a back against the wall game for them. Like, and it may be for the bills too, to some extent, but the Pats, the Pats literally, this is their season. And you might be able to say that for the next couple of weeks, but like, if they lose this game, it's dumb. And they're going to start selling everybody and Cam Newton may not have a career. So if Cam Newton's got anything left in the tank from a motivational perspective, I know we talked about this earlier. I think he shows up. We'll see what happens. It's going to be in a quiet stadium. So I like that part too. First crossfire. Love it. Mr. Model. Who is your key pick? Yeah, I'm going New Orleans Saints minus three and a half traveling to the Chicago Bears. I love the Saints in this spot. Uh, The line, the market has them at minus four or minus four and a half right now. So because it's already locked in at minus three and a half, I will absolutely take that value. I think this is, uh, you know, two teams, again, heading in opposite directions per your uh, metaphor earlier. Um, New Orleans, seventh ranked offense in terms of DVOA. 10th ranked defense that defensive that defensive rating is much better than what I would have expected Um, I think the New Orleans is going to have their hands full with Chicago's defense who I think is a phenomenal unit but Chicago's offense is just smelly man you know with full starting I just don't know what you're going to get with him I think that the uh, New Orleans Saint defense will be able to put up a, a decent effort here and keep him contained um, I just don't think that other than Allen Robinson, you know, I'm not worried about Montgomery or any other guys on the offensive side of the ball. I like New Orleans in the spot. Give me them. Give me the value. Let's go. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll jump in first here. Uh, I'm with you. That's my key pick. Uh, I like to go on the record that in our pool, I've got the Eagles as uh, my key pick. Um, but for the pod, because the line shifted so dramatically for the Eagles Cowboys game, I am on the saints again. I'm going back to the theme. You said it too, Mr. Model teams going in opposite directions. I know the bears are five and two, but I mean, come on, they are there. That's not a team that is a, a competitive team. We all, we're all watching them. Okay. I've actually got a stat too. Okay. Now Matt Nagy's coached 40 games as head coach of the bears. Last week was the 24th time that the offense has failed to score 21 points. They are a badly coached team. I can't believe we all, or at least I missed that, that assessment last week that Matt Nagy is just a bad coach. Colter, we've been nailing this guy for years in this pod. We cannot let it him was off. Too, He's a Vegas, bad coach. Vegas gave, Vegas gave us too many points and we were, we were blinded by the points. Exactly. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and I think and that's all it was. Cause you're, you're right. If we had looked at it long enough and just did the coaching mismatch, we would have landed on the Rams 10 times out of 10, but we just saw that plus six and gravitated yeah. right towards it. And, and here's what I'm looking at this one. Coaching matchup and the quarterbacks. You're giving me Sean Payton versus Matt Nagy, and you're giving me Drew Brees versus Nick Foles. I'll take the Saints on both of those matchups. 
I like it. The only thing, and I'd like to hear you guys thought about this is I feel like there's something weird happening with Michael Thomas down there that has me a little uneasy where I feel like he's trying to force his way out of there. But that, that's just me. Uh, I, I know we've got a bunch of thoughts in there. Hughes, what do you think on that pick? Um, yeah, I'm going to ride with the saints. I, I'm not a, I'm not a bears believer. I, I, I mean, I get blinded by a little bit of Nick Foles from time to time. I just don't see how he is a successful week in and week out quarterback. He's the type of guy that can get you a win here and there. He can definitely light up the night sky if he needs, you know, if he gets the opportunity, but I'm not sold on it. I am a little in, in the same boat as you with the, the saints. There's something wrong. The juju is not right with that team. Breeze is not the same quarterback to a certain extent, though. I think he can play fine. The Thomas thing is weird how he got suspended. Now he's hurt again. Um, you know, there's, there's just a bunch of weird stuff going on uh, that I, yeah, I, I, I'm not sold that that team can make a run. I am completely sold that they can destroy the bears. I like, I, I agree on the coaching matchup. It's a mismatch. Um, so yeah, I'm on the saints. Coulter, I, I want to get your thoughts on this, and maybe Michael Thomas sees the writing on the wall that Breeze is retiring. Is Taysom Hill going to be the guy throwing him the football? I think Michael Thomas wants nothing to do with that. I think he wants nothing to do with James throwing him the ball. Do you think he's trying to wiggle his way out of there? The, the rumor mill is definitely that he is, uh, and you have to trust people. the same people that said uh, DeAndre Hopkins was going to get dealt out of Houston you know, are saying that Michael Thomas could be dealt out of New Orleans. And and quite frankly, with COVID, I think we're actually going to see more trades during this deadline uh, than we have in the past. So I, I definitely think that door is open. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily motivated by Hill or Winston. I think it might be more motivated just for the clash with the coaches and the organization and the money and all that stuff. But I mean, I, I don't hate that theory. You know what I, my opinion is on Taysom Hill. So I, he definitely yeah. could be seeing, he could be thinking next level. Um, I definitely, let's put it this way years that Michael Thomas is a new Orleans saint over under one and a half. I'll take the under and I'll put a significant, I'll take more, more than a pizza bet on that. Uh, I do think he's going to end up on another team. Eventually he's just too much of a competitor to, to he's going to butt heads with no matter, you know, who, who he coaches with or who his quarterback is. So this probably won't be the first time we see, or the last time we see this This is, this is going to be a trend I think in his career. Um, I, I, I don't know what to make out of the same situation. I don't like a team that's in disarray going on the road and getting three and a half points, but I certainly don't like the bears. So default pick saints. And I like the coach yeah. mismatch, obviously, as we already hit on. Now I'll notice that uh, none of us touched the two double digit spreads this week. The jets getting 19 and a half against the chiefs and the giants getting 10 and a half against the bucks, both New York teams, Massive favorites, Mr. Model. I know you are our, uh, our our data guy and our analytics guy. I got a little data for you. I got a little uh, a little tidbit for you here. You ready for this one? Hit me with it. Hit me. Over the last thirty seasons, teams that are a seventeen point underdog or more are twenty six, fifteen, and two against the spread. Kind of interesting. Now it doesn't apply to the Giants. It's just the Jets, though. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. I'm on the Jets. I'm sitting on the Jets at plus nineteen and a half. Do I like it? Sure don't. But is that a shit ton of points? Sure is. So it's I'm going to ride with them at least points. for now and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you just need one wonky thing to go, uh, you know, the Jets way and they could cover that one. But I will say outright, they are four and thirty nine. So yikes. All right. Any uh, any last thoughts here, Bill? I mean, if you're the GM of the Pats, bright future, dark future. Uh, 
<laughs> so I, th- I mean, I think again, I, I am interested to see, they have a ton of cap space going into next year. I think they're positioning themselves for the future. I think that, you know, ultimately, no, you cannot say that the, that the future is bright. They don't have the pieces on the team. They haven't, they haven't accumulated. Now I think that they have the best coach that's ever lived. I think that they've got an owner that's committed to winning. So I think that they'll get this thing back on track. I'm interested to see if they go the veteran quarterback route or if they go the rookie quarterback route. I think everybody thought, oh, genius Belichick going to bring in Andy Dalton. He didn't. We see what Andy Dalton is. I think there was obviously an apprehension to bring in Cam. They're not paying him anything. It was a zero risk play. Um, I think that they just were kind of laying in the weeds, see what they could do this year. I think they are going to cycle through some veterans. I think you're going to see a changing of the guard across the board uh, from potentially the McCourty brothers to Chung to Hightower um, to some of the, the more established veteran jewels leadership that's on that team. And I think it's going to be incumbent on them to, to hit the draft. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I did want to leave you guys with one Saturday parlay play Kansas state plus three and a half Boise state minus 14, Ohio state minus 12 parlay that together. I'm telling you, put 10 bucks on it. We'll be worth it. Whew, I love it. Little ditty at the end. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a full episode covered a lot of topics. Gentlemen, thank you. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trend. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.